This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. You know, one thing in looking at Church Alive just over the years, because the church has been here for a while, uh, one characteristic about Church Alive, and I think every one of you are going to give me a really big amen on this, is that we are full of men and women who are just strong men and women of God. Somebody say amen. Y'all believe that, right? And we've got men and women uh, that have been part of this church, y'all, for literally 25 plus years, some, some long timers. For instance, all of my elders at this church have been with us for 25 or more years. Needless to say, they're relatively dependable. You can, you can say that, right? I mean, been here 25 years. That's amazing. But that's just one thing about our church. Just from the beginning, God's really uh, blessed us. And we've got so many strong people. And, and maybe you've not been here 25 years, but God's really blessed this church with some strong people that, that they're not the kind of people that are hit or miss. They're just strong. And they've been consistent. And God's blessed their life as a result. I want you to understand whenever you're consistent in your walk with God, whenever you're focused on kingdom work, you're just naturally going to see the blessings of God in your life. It's a promise in the word of God. That's just what happens. And, and my heart for this church is to be here long after I'm gone. Now, I know a lot of times people are like, well, we're not going to be here much longer. Can I go ahead and just tell you it's the end times? I want to also go ahead and tell you it was the end times as soon as Jesus ascended. The truth, truth. I'm not getting sassy. It was just, that's the truth. So we've been in the end times for a long time now. And it may be next year that Jesus returns. It may be before we finish service today, or it may be in a hundred years. We just don't know, right? So whether I'm here or not, I, I want this church to continue to thrive. God's obviously doing something here now. I can just look in this room and tell, and y'all can as well. But I want it to be strong and continue to just get stronger effect in this community. But for this to happen, the church has got to stay on the right track, following the direction that God's laid for it. This track's not always going to look like the track of another church. There are times where, you know, even in the past, we might get a little focused on what another church is doing, and the Lord says, stay in your own lane, Gene. Stay in the lane that I've paved for you. See, there are some churches that are very good at doing certain things. This church is very good at doing certain things. And we've just got to continue to walk in what we're called to do in the same way that you are called to do something that doesn't look like the person probably next to you. Don't try to be them. Don't be an imitation. Be the real you, right? And so Church Alive's got to be the real Church Alive. And, and so it takes also just people who really have a heart for God in this house that just go strong after the Lord and just say, you know what, I'm focused on what God's doing and I'm going after that and I'm not going to get distracted by other things, right? And, and so many of y'all truly have a heart for this church and I want you to know you are the future of this church. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the future. And I want you to know in this room there are in they're incredible giftings and abilities that God's given us that need to be used so that we can change this area. See, church lives already made a great impact in this area, but it needs to make a greater impact. Come on now, right? A community can never have too much Jesus, right? Uh, in Ephesians 4, 7, it says this, it says, but to each one of us, grace, somebody say grace, your translation may say, or a spiritual gift Grace or a spiritual gift is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
I want you to think about this just for a minute. Normally, whenever we talk about the word grace, we call it unmerited favor. Here, in Ephesians 4, 7, it's actually talking about not just unmerited favor, but divine capacity. Somebody say divine capacity. You see that one translation will say grace, another will say spiritual gift. So it's saying a divine capacity. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Y'all remember this? My power is made perfect in weakness. Grace is his strength. It's divine capacity as well. In in Ephesians 4.11, we read about the five-fold ministry, also known as the gifts of Jesus, all right? Some of y'all might can rattle those off. Some of you can't. The pastor, the teacher, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist. Those were five offices that Jesus himself walked in. If you read in the word, he had the characteristics of all five. And I want you to think about this. In Ephesians 4.8, whenever Jesus ascended, it says that he gave these gifts to the men and women that were there. There were grace deposits, abilities from Jesus to men and women. And as believers, we get a deposit of that as well. Somebody say, I get a deposit from Jesus of grace and gifts. You have grace and gifts. And in 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul tells Timothy, he says, have faithful. Somebody say faithful. How many of you know the kingdom of God needs faithful people? But he also says this, have faithful and able. Somebody say able. Able Able people do the work of the ministry. Now, faithful is good. Ability is good too. I mean, if you're a coach and you got a player that shows up to every practice, if you're a baseball coach, faithful is good. But if he's picking up the baseball bat with the wrong end, we got a problem. He might be faithful, but his ability stinks, doesn't it? It's important that we're able as well. And so something I want you to think about is, what is it that the Lord has enabled you with? What giftings? And don't get hung up on the five that I just mentioned earlier. You don't have to preach. You don't have to be a prophet. I'm talking about what natural giftings do you have? If you were to think to yourself and write down a few things that you do very well, I want you to know you can use that for kingdom work. You can use that for kingdom work. You've got this grace deposit from Jesus and you just need to walk in it. What are you able to do well? Each one of you have a tremendous value. Tremendous value that God wants to use those giftings here in this church. So I want you to be thinking about that And that was just kind of some thoughts from this last week. Now, as we kind of switch gears just for a minute, um, many of y'all over time uh, have probably been like me. And and how many of you have ever known some really uh, strong believers, maybe really plugged into church that at some point something happened and they're not there anymore? Uh, Maybe these people were really walking with God, um, but something happened in their life and maybe there's some kind of resentment to the Lord. It could have been some kind of offense It could have been some kind of loss that they experienced, some sickness that they walked through. Uh, Sometimes it can be divorce or some kind of relationship uh, situation. And and as a result, it it actually affects their walk with God. I've seen it a lot over the years, and and I'm sure a lot of y'all have as well, especially if you've been in church for a long time. You've, You've probably seen some people like that. But I want you to understand this. The longer you live, the more opportunities you will have 
for not so pleasant things to happen in your life. Get that just for a minute. Every year that you blow out the candles is another year that stuff could have gone not so great in your life. Because things will come. James tells us that. As a matter of fact, he says, get happy about it whenever trials come your way. <laughs> things will happen. It's kind of like the ball player that starts the game, let's just say in basketball, he's got an opportunity to, to miss a lot of shots. The guy that rides the bench, he ain't going to miss nearly as many shots, but he ain't in the game neither. So whenever you continue to get older and older and older, you know, whether you're teenage years, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 80s, it doesn't matter. There's more opportunity for things to happen in your life that are not so pleasant. And as a result, sometimes those not so pleasant things will actually get people off track and put distance in between them and the Lord. So over time, they drift because of circumstances. But we got to remember that God's plan, somebody say God's plan, is that we go from glory to glory. Come on, listen, faith to faith, just greater faith, greater realms of his presence as well. That's his plan for our life. There's times where we will go through some hard times. Uh, a lot of times, you know, kind of between this season and this season, you may feel like you're just kind of taking a little bit of a dip. You know, um, you're thinking, well, I'm here and I'm supposed to get up here and it's just going to be a straight shot. Sometimes it's almost like the stock market where it takes a little bit of a dip before it goes up. Right? We call that hell in the hallway here at Church Alive, just so you know. Uh, you know, between this place that God's got for you and this place, you're going to deal with a little bit of heck right here. And sometimes we have to deal with this. But once you get through that and you get that breakthrough, you're like, oh, this is a whole new level, right? And so that's what we're supposed to do. That was God's plan for us is to go to next levels, greater faith, greater realms of his presence. And at no point are we ever, ever supposed to max out. At no point should any of us ever get to the place of, well, I have got all that's available to me. We never max out. And by the way, if you feel like you have maxed out, something's not right in your life. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we, we never max out. Anytime we level off, it's our fault. It's not his fault. His plan for us was that we never become short of looking like Jesus. So we've all got a whole lot of room to grow, I guess you could say. We've got a lot of room to grow. And so we should just get stronger and stronger in our walk with him year after year. But we've got to make sure that the disappointments of life don't get us off track. And that requires for us to be focused. Somebody say focused. It requires for us to be focused. Whenever you look in the Old Testament, you can read about tons of kings. There's so many kings that are covered in the Old Testament. Regina will tell you, I love to just stay in the Old Testament. That, that's where I really like to camp out. And whenever you look at these kings, and I heard this from a pastor a little while back, um, you see awesome kings at times, you see good kings at times, and you see terrible, awful kings at times as well. Some of them were just horrific I mean, they did everything opposite of what they were supposed to do. Samuel was the leader of Israel between the judges and King Saul. But in 1 Samuel 8, uh, we see that God never desired for Israel to have a king. 
But Israel insisted. Now, in case you didn't know why they insisted on having a king, the reason was because all of our neighboring countries have them. Anybody's kids ever said they needed something because all their friends at school had them? Well, Israel here, they felt like we don't have a king. We need a king because everybody else is doing it, man. And the Lord got tired of hearing it and he finally said, okay. So the first king was who? Saul. And Saul actually started out really good. He was humble. Uh, he was not arrogant. That's good characteristics of a leader. He was on fire for God, and really the Spirit of God came on him. And, and there were times whenever he stood up in great conflict, and Israel had amazing victories because of Saul's obedience to God. Uh, but he starts to make some not-so-great decisions. So, for instance, whenever David... You know, came out of the fields and killed Goliath. You probably remember the story. He goes to deliver some food to his brothers. He sees um, this Philistine just mocking God and, and Israel. And David's like, are, are y'all going to deal with him or not? Funny story, and I've mentioned this a hundred times. They told David what the reward would be for the man who killed Goliath. And by the way, Saul was not man enough to deal with it himself. And, and there was like, okay, you're going to get this. You're, you can marry the king's daughter. You don't have to pay taxes. And David said, wait, hold on. Did you just say we don't have to pay taxes? <laughs> David's like, now you're speaking my language. You know, he was ready to go fight at that point. Some of y'all are at that point right now. I will risk my life to not have to pay taxes anymore. I figured Michael Paul would be in on that. <laughs> so David kills Goliath, saves Israel, and, and jealousy fills the heart of Saul. Rather than working with David, think about that combination, that, that relationship God had David picked to be the next king. And rather than them working together for the good of Israel, jealousy filled the heart of Saul. And as a result, there was all kind of division within Israel, right? And so he's trying to kill David. He, he's chasing him for years, as a matter of fact. And then Saul does something to where he goes to a fortune teller as well. Rather than seeking God, he, he really made some bad decisions. He started off good, but ultimately it ends terrible for Saul. Then you've got King David, who was next. He's one I love to read about. I mean, I've done full series on David before. Uh, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. And how amazing is that, right? He followed the Lord. He's mentioned in Scripture all the time. He was a worshiper. He loved the presence of God. Uh, he was an amazing leader. He was an incredible warrior. Um, he didn't back down from a fight. He could motivate and bring the best out of people. His mighty men, and really you are to get in the Word and read about the men that David surrounded himself with. i got to be honest with you, they were like the bad news bears. They were a rough-looking crew but whenever you read about him with David's leadership and his motivational skills and the spirit of God being upon him, they were doing insane things. I mean, insane things. Whenever the spirit of the Lord's on you, let me go ahead and tell you, there's just no limit of what you can do. Come on now. But God blessed him tremendously. But as he aged, <clears throat> he became a little bit entitled. He, he got a little bit lazy. And, and we, see with, we see this uh, with Bathsheba. The word says that whenever the kings were off at war, David was what? A king. Whenever the kings were off at war doing what they were supposed to be doing, 
David stayed at the house. David was not where he was supposed to be. And as a result, David's hanging out on the roof, getting some fresh air, and he sees a woman bathing on another roof. And rather than turning around and going inside, he actually sends for the woman. And of course, there was adultery there. She became pregnant. Uh, And then really, just to make the whole situation worse, her husband, who was a faithful, I'm talking about a faithful man to David, a faithful warrior, um, that was her husband, he has him strategically placed in battle to make sure he would die in the next battle so that he wouldn't have to deal with that part of the situation either. And so, yeah, he sleeps with Bathsheba, has Uriah, her husband, killed. And when describing David in the word in 1 Kings 15, this is what the word says, verse 5, it says, David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life. What's that next word? Except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He had not turned aside from anything he had, the Lord had commanded him to do, except. I don't know about you, but we need to avoid the accepts in our life. So David starts off well, and besides the whole Bathsheba-Uriah situation, for the most part, he's known to be rock solid, except for that matter. Next, you've got King Solomon. Now, King Solomon was David's son, also Bathsheba's son. Together, they had multiple children. Um, But Solomon was your next king, and Solomon said yes to God, and he started off so good. I mean, like, perfect. He started off so good. In 1 Kings... God actually said to Solomon, he said, ask anything you want. How wonderful is that? Ask anything you want me to give to you. Now, it would have been very tempting for for Solomon to say, uh, I want power, I want riches. Um, You know, you, you can think of all the things that you might want to have, fame. And he didn't ask for any of that. He actually asked for wisdom. And the Lord was so pleased with Solomon's request He actually gave him the power and the wealth and the fame, ultimately, as well as the wisdom. I mean, so this guy has got it going on. He's got everything, like everything is working out for him well. He had such favor with God. I want you to understand this. Other nations would actually come and sit at his feet just to hear his view on life. The truth is, we've never seen anybody probably in the world have the kind of influence that Solomon had. 1 Kings 3.3, it says, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David. What's that next word? What's that next word? Except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Now, Solomon apparently had some sort of admiration for the surrounding nations and what they valued. Let me kind of explain this to you, what it's talking about here. Um, Whenever you look at at, at Solomon, uh, he had everything he needed. But in 1 Kings 11, it says this. It says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Eden, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. 
The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Next verse. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. Sometimes we insist on doing what we've been told not to do by the Lord, don't we? And sometimes we can't understand why things are not going right for us. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. My word. I mean, I was just thinking the other day as I'm reading this and just dwelling on this teaching, I'm wondering if there were ever gatherings where it's like, hey, let's get all the girls together and have dinner. And they come up and speak to him, and it's like, I got no idea who you are. I mean, you know, 700 to 1,000 women for Pete's sakes. But it says this, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart. Somebody say they did. They did turn his heart away from the Lord. The Lord gives him this warning, and even the wisest man, the wisest man that's ever walked the planet, fell for it. He fell for it. Uh, let me go ahead and just give somebody a word today. Some of you may be dabbling with something right now, and you think you're just at a place to where you could never fall into it. Sometimes you'll hear me say something like, if you walk around the pond long enough, you will get wet because you're going to fall in. Some of you may be dabbling with some things right now, and you think either you're too spiritual, it won't affect you, or you're strong enough, it won't affect you. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if it could happen to him, it can happen to you. It can happen to you. Verse 4, 1 Kings 11. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. He didn't follow the Lord completely. Now, these surrounding nations, y'all, they were wicked people. They were immoral people. They were known to even do things like child sacrifice to try to please their gods. These were messed up people that he started marrying their women for Pete's sakes. He had 700 women vying for his affection. 700 women vying for his affection. 700 wicked women vying for his affection. And he gets sucked into this, so it's brought into Israel, God's chosen people as well. So he marries these women because he wants alliances. Get this. He wanted alliances with all the surrounding countries. So he marries into them. Hey, just a heads up. He didn't have to have alliances with them. He had the favor of God on his life. These were the same people that were coming and sitting at his feet to look at, to just listen to him because of how wise he was. Yet he had his own plan of how he could have peace with them. He was at peace with them. Is anybody else just kind of blown away by this? Like, what were you thinking, man? He gets sucked into it. He wants to have peace with them, but he already had it. The favor of God was on him as well. Again, they came and they sat at his feet. They even paid him millions of dollars in tribute each year for Pete's sakes. You know what's funny about this is Solomon writes a book called Proverbs. 
that he apparently forgot what he wrote. He writes about a lot of the same kind of stuff right here. And just like that, his heart's turned. Verse 9, the Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Did you notice that it says the Lord had appeared to him twice? Did y'all see that? Whenever you look in the word of God, there were only a handful of people that the Lord appeared to, and all of them only saw the Lord once. Yet Solomon had all this wisdom, had everything the Lord had blessed him with, two encounters with God himself, still turns his heart. His heart's turned. And it's sad, really. I mean, with the favor on his life, the revelation of God, the appearing of God in his life, how could he have ever gotten to that place of turning away from God? How? It shows us, y'all, that we've got to be focused. Somebody say focused. On living for God. We've got to be focused on doing whatever God tells us to do. We can't be messing around. Once again, if it happened to Solomon, don't think it can't happen to you. So he had these women, these wicked women that were vying for his attention. And so there's these distractions that he's dealing with. And and these things pulled him away from God. I mean, he welcomed those that were part of these evil nations right into the middle of God's people. I want to ask you today, is there anything that we're allowing in our lives, anything that we're allowing in our homes that's unpleasing to God that we've got to get rid of, that you know you've got to get rid of? What are you allowing into your home? What are you allowing into your life? Because I want you to know, Satan's going to try to convince you it's okay. Satan's going to try to tell you you're strong enough. Satan's going to try to tell you it's not going to affect anything. It's not going to affect your walk with God. It's not not going to affect anything. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, he's lying to you. As we know, anything he speaks is nothing except a lie, right? And he's going to try to convince you it's fine, but it's not. And this isn't something that just happens instantly one day. As I started with just a minute ago, people can, can easily just get off track a little bit because of an offense, People can get off track just a little bit because they, they went through a rocky season. Maybe they're, you know, they, they lost a job or something like that, and they feel like God just turned his back on them because they went through a really hard time financially, or maybe they were dealing with some kind of sickness, and, and they just feel like God has abandoned me, and as a result, they just start to get off track. And before long, rather than being way out here and being near God, they are somewhere out here in left field. It can happen in a hurry. I want you to know this. You can get distracted by the blessings of God in your life as well. God's blessed you with finances. God's blessed you with stuff. And that stuff can pull your eyes off of God as well. It can happen. But y'all, many of us have come so far. How many of you are grateful for where God's brought you to? Come on now. How many of y'all are... Come on, just thank God for where he's brought you to. Amen. Because, listen, I know some of your stories, I, I, and that's not to embarrass you. It's praise God, and God gets all the glory from where you were to where you are right now, and God was right in the middle of it. 
You see, you are here. You had an encounter with him, and he's brought you way over here to where he wants you to be. But, but I've come to a place, listen, we don't need to get stupid all of a sudden. I don't know any other way to say it. We don't need to get stupid all of a sudden and get way off track. We got to stick with God. And over times, I know things happen, sin, hurt, offense, feeling that God didn't come through on something. It doesn't change the fact that he's still a good God. It also doesn't change the fact that sometimes we mess up ourselves and we are often our own problem. We cause our own situations that we need a breakthrough in. And my desire for all of us, y'all, is to have a strong walk with God, of course. I want to see y'all living an overcoming life. I want you to be walking in the giftings and those abilities we talked about earlier. Because whenever you're doing that, you are part of being the body of Christ. And whenever we all work together, doing what we've been called to do, doing what we're gifted at, then we're going to start to really see a change. But we've got to be focused on him and what he's doing and what he's called us to do. Not focus on the distractions. We've got to make sure that we're leading our homes the way we're supposed to lead our homes, man. We've got to make sure that our walk with the Lord is where it's supposed to be. That we're spending time with the Lord. That we're spending time in prayer. We've got to be focused on Him. Focused on Him. There's so many things that are vying for our attention. It might be your career. It might be income. I don't know what it is. But I want to encourage you today. Focus on him today. It's not just about us showing up on Sundays and then going home, but about focusing on the heart of God. On the heart of God. And whenever we do this, whenever we're focused on him, we're, we're literally part of being, or we're literally part of that great commission that, that he called us to do. I've seen too many people live for God and then just walk away from him. I'm talking people that that really, really could have done or did do and could have done more kingdom work that would have changed so many lives. I've seen it. You've probably seen it. But I've gotten to a place just like Joshua spoke in Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will. We will serve God. Joshua said this. He said, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then then choose today whom you're going to serve. He was telling them, you need to make a decision now. Don't play the field. Don't ride the fence. You decide today what you're going to do. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as far as Gene and as far as the Amoson household, I'm determined we will serve God. Come on, stand with me today. Maybe that needs to be your prayer today. As far as you and your home, we determine, we are focused today that we will serve God no matter what. No matter what. A question for you today. If you felt like just your Christian life has not been that great, I'm going to ask you, are you spending time with them? 
Are you spending time with his family? This is his family right here. Are you surrounding yourself by strong people? Are you obedient to do what the word of God says? Do you even know what the word of God says? Are you more focused on what he wants you to do versus what you want to do? Because if you're more focused on what you want to do, you're already headed down the wrong road. And you can't expect to live a life that's overcoming. Amen? You can't expect to because you're on the wrong path. I want to go ahead and tell you, you can go down the road of what you want to do, but it'll never fulfill you. It'll never make you happy. You can have the dream job that you've wanted since you were a kid, and you'll never be happy if it's not what he's called you to do. You cannot be fulfilled apart from him. It's impossible. Uh, here at Church Live, y'all, we are in a new season. I don't know if you've noticed it. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. There's been times in the past, we were right there right before COVID hit, that I felt like we are about, y'all ever like been on, on a bicycle and up a hill, and you just pray to get to that top because you feel like, there we go. You know what I'm talking about, right? And I feel like we have been like right up here, and then some stuff has happened. But I feel like we are already headed where we need to head. Amen? We are there right now. And I just really feel a snowball effect of what God wants to do here. It's already building. And he wants to do more and more and more and more. And I want you to, to know you are called to be part of it. You're not called to be a spectator, but a participator. Amen? Come on, just tap your neighbor and say you're called to be a participator. You ain't called to be a spectator. And I'm going to go ahead and just ask you today to take your commitment to the next level with the Lord, but even in this house as well. Because you see, it's whenever we all come together, and I've already said it a time or two today, that we can affect other people as a result. Psalms 92.12, one of our jams here, the righteous will flourish. Flourish, they will thrive like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Those cedars were known for their strength. Planted in the house of the Lord. Everybody needs to be planted in the house of the Lord. If this isn't the house for you, go find the right house for you. Literally, I'm telling you that. You need to be planted somewhere. And there's good churches around here. We can help you. But you need to be planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in their old age. Somebody say hallelujah to that. I, I want you to know you never get to a place to where um, you are done. We do kingdom work to the day we take our last breath. You know, both my parents, both of my parents, their, their home health, their hospice, like dad had a hospice nurse, mom had home health and stuff. All of their people said, you know what? Your parents ministered to me up until the very end. To the last day. The very last phone call I had from my mom in, in, in she passed away hours later. She was calling and just encouraging me before I preached. We were on the highway and we had her plugged into the car. And so she, she just was encouraging me and just, I'm praying for you today as you get up there and preach. She, was, she couldn't get to church. She was, you know, at the physical rehab place. And she said, I'm praying for you. We'll be listening, encouraging you. And the next day, inhaled on earth, exhaled in heaven. We never age out. Let me get back to our verse right here. We'll still bear fruit in our old age. They'll stay fresh and green. Fresh and green. Come on. I claim that right now. They're going to proclaim the Lord is upright. He is my rock. 
He's, come on, how many of y'all want that? We're going to stay fresh. We're going to declare he is our rock. Father, that's what we want. I want to remind you today, uh, the, the greatest thing that God wants you to do is not just to show up on Sunday mornings. He's got bigger plans for you. If you felt like this week you accomplished your goal, there's more to it than that. You're here and that's great, but there's more to it. I want you to walk in that grace that he has for you, that divine capacity that, that he has for you. And I promise you, you'll be happier. I promise you that you'll be happier than you've ever been at any point in your life. And that overflows to the outside of these walls. Jeremiah, whenever he was talking about those who trust in the Lord, he said this in chapter 17, they're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. You see, these trees, they're not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. We'll produce fruit till our very last breath. Today we just proclaim, Father, we're going to focus on you. Amen? Father, we're going to focus on you. Come on, just lift your hands today. Father, I just speak, Lord, that this house, Father, that our focus, our attention is solely on you. It's solely on kingdom business, God. Lord, whatever our plans have been, Father, whatever our dreams have been, God, we say right now we're setting them to the side to go after what you've called us to do, God. Lord, we just always, Father, we, we mentioned Matthew 6, Father. Father, we're going to seek first your kingdom. Father, we're going to live righteously, God, and we're just going to let you meet our needs, Father. Lord, because we know whenever you're meeting our needs, it's greater than anything we could ever accomplish on our own today, Father. So, Lord, today we determine, God, that we will be focused on what's important, Father, the eternal and not the temporal. In Jesus' mighty name. If your spouse is near you, I want you to just grab their hand, and just today, I want you to just say to each other, as for me and my house, come on. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're focused to serve God. The things that we've seen as important, they don't compare to what he has for us to do. So Father, today we declare, God, we're focused on you and Lord will serve you. And if you agree with me today, can you say amen? Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.